Hello, and welcome to the Nature Inspired Podcast. I am your host, Emma Hawthorne, a budding conservation biologist, performer, and yogi. Before we begin, I would like to pay my respects to the traditional owners of the land I am sitting on today, the Ugumbi language region, and pay my respect to elders past, present, and emerging. Through our journey together on this podcast, we will dissect current environmental issues, not only through the lens of how we can help support nature, but also through the lens of health and well-being. What I will keep coming back to in this podcast is that we are all connected and what we do impacts everyone and everything around us. We are not separate from nature. This is a westernized concept that has enabled us throughout history to use and exploit nature as a slave because we consider it as something else, something outside of ourselves. Therefore, we can give it disrespect, use it, abuse it. But we are composed of nature and we rely on natural systems for our survival. So if we are composed of nature, we need and rely on nature, then it is in our best interest to help preserve and restore it for all of our well-being. Before we get into the nitty and gritty, I want to share a story of what pushed me to start this podcast. So earlier this year, I was really lucky to visit Hawaii on my way back from a wedding. Now, we were in Hawaii only for 24 hours and our flight back to Australia got cancelled. And so we had to spend another 24 hours on this beautiful island. I know, poor us. Now, I'd really wanted to snorkel on this trip, but I didn't have the time or money to do it. So I bought a pair of goggles from the convenience store and took myself what I would call snorkeling on Waikiki Beach, which is, for anyone that hasn't been there, the busiest, most touristy beach. So I was swimming around at sunset and I was feeling really at one with the ocean and I had this thought, wow, I really need to be in the ocean protecting this. Ah! When I almost hit my head on a huge green turtle, it just came out of nowhere and I just couldn't believe it. Here I was on Waikiki Beach, just such a busy beach and so touristy and, and the reef where I was pretending to snorkel around, uh, it's quite degraded. And here is this beautiful green turtle. I felt so lucky. So I swam along beside him and I just watched him as he nibbled on the reef and he just floated along the coastline. And I followed him for about 15 minutes without anyone even being aware he was there. I was kind of in part of that beach where no one seemed to be. And I thought, perhaps I'm dreaming because no one else is noticing this gorgeous ancient turtle that is swimming here. But then he turned and he looked at me. It was like he did this little nod to me as if to say goodbye and I've made my point. And then he jet set it off with such speed. That was it. That I could no longer follow. I just had to let him go. Now, it's honestly one of the most experiences I've had because it was so unexpected. It wasn't like I had gone looking for green turtles. I hadn't gone on a tour to find green turtles. It had just happened naturally. And for me, that cemented that I'm on the right path in studying conservation biology. 
And I feel more than ever that I want to share what I'm learning so we can create more awareness of the plight of nature, but more importantly, how we can help support nature. And so here it begins, the journey of Nature Inspired Podcast, episode one. Today, we are celebrating International Day of Biological Diversity. Now, although this may sound super technical, basically, biological diversity simply means the variety of life forms that exist. Not just plants and animals, but microorganisms and fungi and genes and and the ecosystems of these all together. All these different forms of life interact in such complex ways that we really don't have any comprehension of it. Although we might think, oh, well, what does it matter if we lose a species here or there? Who's going to notice it? Well, the answer to that is everyone and everything. We are in a delicate balance and every living organism has an effect on the world. Now, International Day of Biological Diversity was created by the United Nations in 1993, and it was created to bring awareness to biodiversity and the issues that threaten biodiversity. This year's theme is From Agreement to Action, Build Back Biodiversity. Now, let's just backtrack a little bit because that probably means nothing to you. So let me fill you in a bit of context. Every year, the UN Biodiversity Conference, or the United Nations Biodiversity Conference, meets to set goals around stopping losses in nature, as well as having the ambition to reverse loss of nature by 2050. So last year, they met in December in Montreal in Canada, and it was known as COP15, so the Conference of the Parties. And it was here that they came up with a clear framework with targets that address the key drivers of loss of nature. So some of these key drivers of losses of nature include unsustainable agricultural practices, pollution, fragmentation of habitat, urbanization, climate change, and the overexploitation of our natural resources. This framework is designed to be equitable and help protect the rights of indigenous people who are essentially carers of the land and seas, and they have been for thousands and thousands of years. The framework also takes into account financial considerations and how important it is that we move towards sustainable investments. The framework is known as the Cuming Montreal Global Biodiversity Framework. So now that there is this clear global framework in place, there's a little bit of hope that maybe we can make a difference, that we might just start to reverse the losses of biodiversity that have occurred on this planet. Yet now, the focus is on moving from theoretical and the hypothetical realm to actually taking action. And that is what International Day of Biodiversity is all about. Action and getting measures in place by 2030 to ensure that we hit our 2050 target of reversing biodiversity loss. So although the day is really aimed at those parties who attended COP15, uh, such as government organisations and non-government organisations, I think it's really important that we all take a moment to celebrate and spread awareness of International Biodiversity Day. I truly believe we all have the capacity to create change 
and that we can do that from the individual level as well as the collective. The fact that you've even pressed play on this podcast and taken some time out of your precious day to learn about biodiversity, it's already going to have a ripple effect on the planet. Now, I want to start with a story about Sam the sea otter and his friends. Now, if you have never seen a sea otter, please, 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 just pause if you can. If you're driving, please don't. But just pause if you can. Head to the show notes and have a look at them. They are just cute. Uh, They're so adorable. Or simply just Google sea otters in images. They are just the most adorable things. But despite being adorable and cute, they actually play a huge role in the balance of marine ecosystems such as giant kelp forests. Have you ever seen a giant kelp forest? Well, if you live in the southern areas of Australia along the Great Southern Reef, yes, I'm just going to interlude here, uh, the Great Southern Reef is another reef that we have in Australia. It's not as famous or as well known as the Great Barrier Reef, but it serves um, and hosts a lot of biodiversity. It is in the southern parts of Victoria, Tasmania, South Australia, and Western Australia. So if you do live in these regions, you might have been lucky to witness the giant kelp forests. Now, giant kelp forests are these incredibly majestic underwater forests, and they're pretty rare to find. They are these tall seaweeds that can grow from 35 metres to 65 metres from the bottom of the ocean, and then they float upwards. Now, they're really important because they provide food and shelter to a variety of species, including fish, rock lobster, and abalone. Unfortunately, they are becoming rarer and rarer to find, and as is the case in eastern Tasmania, we've actually lost 98% of our Australian giant kelp forests in the last 75 years, so it's pretty devastating. Okay, so to come back to our story of Sam, the very cute sea otter and his friends, I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. So Sam loves to eat and his favorite food are sea urchins. You know, those spiky things that you can often see in reefs. Yep, not appealing to us. However, they have an ability to crack open the urchins and so they can eat the meat inside of the protective shell. Now, sea otters are an endangered species in themselves and unfortunately, their numbers are decreasing due to a a variety of factors. We've got hunting, fishing practices, they're getting tangled in fishing gear, Um, there's invasive species, climate change and pollution, they're facing so many threats. Uh, So what happens is when sea otters are low or absent from these giant kelp forests, there's this huge butterfly effect on the entire ecosystem. So without sea otters eating their favourite food, the sea urchins that live and grow in giant kelp forests, the sea urchins start to become really abundant and they eat the giant kelp forest. Now, why is this problematic? Don't lots of things eat kelp? Well, yes. However, it's when there is no predator to keep them hidden and just eat little portions, they get into the bases of the giant kelp And what happens is this giant kelp becomes untethered and it floats away. So essentially deforesting these giant kelp forests. With the reduction in the giant kelp forests, 
there is a reduction of other life that relies on kelp for either food or shelter, including the rock lobster and many fish. So what happens is that the giant kelp forests are transformed into what are known as sea urchin barrens. So there's huge amounts of sea urchins and pretty much little to no biodiversity. So there's no longer a forest and an ecosystem, but a pretty dire reduction of biodiversity. Now, giant kelp also capture huge amounts of carbon. So when we lose giant kelp forests, we also lose a carbon sink. So somewhere where carbon is stored, kept out of the atmosphere, which keeps our planet cool. And when that kelp dies, it releases its carbon back into the ocean, which then leads to acidification of the ocean and warming of the oceans, which obviously impacts aquatic life. So when sea otters are present, it has been found that the amount of carbon held in kelp forests can be up to 13 times more. They're so essential. So you see, the loss of just one important species knocks over entire ecosystems. And what we witness are entire ecosystems either being completely lost or transformed into less diverse ecosystems, which host less life. Now, across the planet, there are many biodiversity hotspots that hold most of Earth's biodiversity. Tropical rainforests, although they only cover 6% of the planet, actually account for close to 80% of the planet's biodiversity. This is the same for tropical waters and marine life, with coral reefs supporting huge numbers of life. So although it's really important that we preserve and conserve as many ecosystems as possible, there are some where protection is vital. Under the Conservation Society, uh, they've created 36 biodiversity hotspots along the planet. And to be listed as a biodiversity hotspot, in the hopes that it gets funding to be conserved, a region must have at least 1,500 vascular plants, which can be found nowhere else in the world, so they have to be endemic. And they must also be threatened with only 30% or less of its original vegetation impact. Now, in Australia, we have two official biodiversity hotspots, the Eastern Forests of Australia and Southwestern Western Australia. So in the Eastern Forests of Australia, we're talking northern New South Wales, southern Queensland, uh, the rainforests and following the, the border ranges there. And we're also looking at other pockets, such as the Daintree, which are a bit further north, the Daintree Rainforest. So these are areas that are of conservation significance and really need our support in helping to protect them because they are threatened by so many things, including degradation and habitat fragmentation. There is also so much biodiversity that we don't even know about, and bacteria in soil is one of them. It's estimated that in just one gram of soil, there are between 6,400 to 38,000 different species. Now, that's just one little gram of soil, or what you might consider dirt, but let's, for the purposes of giving value to nature today, call it soil. There's 6,400 to 38,000 species. Mind-boggling. Now, if soil is eroded, it can take up to 1,000 years to just reproduce two to three centimetres of soil. So it's a very slow regenerative process. At the moment, 
we have 33% of the Earth's soil already degraded and eroding. And there's estimates that this could be as high as 90% by 2050. So not only caring for the biodiversity that we can visibly see, like mammals, our cute, cuddly koalas, but also for the, for the biodiversity that we actually can't see. Caring for our soil is of vital importance. We're also losing bacterial diversity within our stomachs as well. And there's even extinctions of gut bacteria, which are causing all sorts of health ailments, such as obesity, eczema, IBS, leaky gut syndrome, anxiety, and depression. Did you know that there's actually 10 times more microbial cells in our body than human cells? So essentially, we are more microbial cells than we are human. And unfortunately, aspects of our diet, heavy metals, disinfectants, and antibiotics are impacting our microbiota. How can we improve it? Well, Michael Gillings, a professor of molecular evolution at Macquarie Uni, says we need to eat a lot of fibrous plant material, reduce our sugar intake, and avoid disinfectants. So... We've gotten to the point in this podcast where I want to stop looking at biodiversity loss and telling of the plight of the planet and shift to solutions and what we can do to help. And as we journey through this podcast, I'm going to offer so many ways that you can help support biodiversity. But for our very first episode, we're going to keep it pretty simple because the last thing I want to happen is for you to get overwhelmed. Because when we get overwhelmed, we tend to shut down. And then in shut down, in shutting down, we tend to not care. And we disconnect from nature. And we disconnect from parts of ourselves, essentially. So I'm going to lead with a quote from Rumi, who was a 13th century poet. He said, Yesterday, I was so clever. So I wanted to change the world. Today, I am wise. So I am changing myself. So that's where we're going to start with us. Let's build a better relationship to nature personally. So rather than thinking that nature is separate from us, let's keep embracing this concept that we are composed of nature and that nature is our ally. So here is an offering of a few really simple things that you can do right now to connect yourself to nature, no matter what you live or what your circumstances might be. One, let's anchor in on something we have access to at all times, our breath. No matter where you are on this planet, you are currently breathing air. So take the next few moments to bring an awareness to your breath. You don't need to do anything to the breath. Just let it be natural. It's there for us, whether we like it or not. Notice the sensation of the air as it enters the nostrils and the mouth and exits. Notice the effect the breath has on your body as your chest and lungs expand, your belly expands, and they contract. And notice what breath does, especially conscious breath does to our energy. It has the ability to transform how we feel. And not only that, 
take a few moments to just be really appreciative of this thing that we often take for granted. We don't really have to try to breathe or think about breathing. This just naturally happens. So create some awe and gratitude for this breath and air that we breathe in every moment of our days. Now another thing we can do is bring this awe, awareness and appreciation to another life force, water. This is a simple thing I've started doing of late and I'm going to admit I don't do it every single time. But when I remember, I'm very conscious before taking a sip of water to pause and take a moment to thank this water, this life source that makes up 60% of our body. So every time that you go to sip water, just take a moment and give it that respect, give it that appreciation and be so thankful that we have water to replenish our bodies, especially if you have access to healthy flowing water. Now, even if you live in urban areas where there's next to no vegetation, next time you're walking in the middle of the city or through a park, take a moment to sit with a tree or plant. Just give it that appreciation and respect. Notice the amount of life that that, that tree or plant provides for other organisms, including ourselves. Be thankful for the shade and the cooling that it provides, the filtering of the air, and also the carbon that it's securing, that it's drawing down from the atmosphere so that we can live the lives we currently live. Another great thing to do is bring a plant into your home or workplace. So not only will it help to filter the air, but it will also connect you to nature no matter what your home or work environment looks like. Just that little connection to nature every day allows us to feel more connected. Now, if purchasing a plant is out of your financial reach, then I'm going to encourage a bit of a left of center, but I actually say do this regardless to anyone out there. And if you're walking along the side of the road and you notice a whole lot of weeds, pluck yourself a cute little bouquet of flowers. So here in Australia, at least, we have a really invasive weed problem. So invasive weeds are essentially just plants from somewhere else. Uh, but what they tend to do is displace native plants and therefore disrupt ecosystems and impact biodiversity. So one really simple thing you can do is pluck yourself a few beautiful flowers, maybe some dandelions, things like this, and bring them home. Not only are you going to be able to connect to nature and freshen up your beautiful home or apartment, um, but you're going to be stopping and halting those weeds from invading other areas. So it's really great and simple thing to do. Now, if social media is your thing and you're feeling social media savvy, 
or just curious, head over to UN Biodiversity. Uh, They've got this really great 22-day social media campaign leading up to today. Um, And have a peruse, have a look. They've um, collaborated with a lot of great organizations. So we'll also introduce you to a lot of uh, wonderful places that are doing work for biodiversity. And if you do enjoy one of the posts or you find that it resonates with you, then share it using the hashtag Build Back Biodiversity. This is the International Day of Biological Diversity's hashtag. So use that. Um, I will put all these things that I'm mentioning into the show notes with some links. So don't worry if you are driving and you don't have the ability to write these things down. I will have these as a reference point. Okay, moving up in terms of um, elevating our, our action level. Another really great thing to do to help conserve and protect biodiversity is to urge our governments to protect nature. So whenever you see a petition or an opportunity to write to your local state or federal MP to help save uh, an area of biodiversity, and these are intact ecosystems we want to keep together, then the more voices that they hear, the more likely they're going to be protected, or at least they'll halt some of that development or shift it to somewhere else, which might be more beneficial. And finally today, educate yourself on what's at threat in your local area. So often we can feel overwhelmed because we hear of the rainforests that are burning in the Amazon and we hear of all this destruction happening because of climate change all around the world and we feel hopeless, we feel helpless. We think, well, what can we do? That's happening over there, I'm here. But what you can do is just bring it back to where you live right now. So for all you know, you could have an endangered species in your backyard. Uh, You could, even if you have the smallest of balconies, potentially putting a native plant on that balcony might help support an endangered bird that is traveling through the urban areas. It might provide it with shelter, food, shade. So even that one little simple act can shift and support so much. The other thing you could do is have a look at what volunteer groups are around that are fighting for conservation of biology and biodiversity. Uh, We've got great groups everywhere here in Australia. There is an abundance of volunteer opportunities. And what I would love to say is that the other thing that's wonderful about these is that they are often free and, and it's very unusual that these volunteer opportunities are not free. So it's wonderful uh, if you're trying to find something economic to do on a weekend. You can go and plant some trees in your local neighborhood, uh, perhaps do some weeding of some invasive weeds that are causing problems. Um, There's a whole lot of citizen science projects happening where you can go and take photos of wildlife and upload it to databases to help support scientists who are doing some really critical research. And a lot of these are really kid-friendly. So if you have a family, um, if you have nephews, nieces, um, next-door neighbours that are kids, these are really great ways to connect them to nature early on so they can learn uh, to respect and value nature. And we're going to build a beautiful and better world for us. Now, I've come to the end of this episode. If you have enjoyed this episode, if it has lit something up within you, if it's given you 
something today that's positive, then subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss the next episode. To check out some of the great resources that I've mentioned in this podcast, you can head to the show notes at www.emmahawthorn. I'll just spell that out, E-M-M-A-H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.com forward slash podcast forward slash biodiversity. And if you want to connect, find me as Emma Hawthorne on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or you can head to my YouTube channel, Nature Inspired Yoga and Dance by Emma Hawthorne. And here I actually have a whole lot of free resources in meditation, in yoga and nature inspired dance. Uh, It's a really great resource there. So check that out. I hope you have a beautiful week. And in the words of Michelle Obama, you will not always be able to solve all the world's problems at once, but don't ever underestimate the importance you can have. History has shown us that courage can be contagious and hope can take on a life of its own. So until next time, cheers and peace.